This episode of the OrthoBullets Audio Review Podcast will be a question session reviewing several high-yield pathology topics, including intramedullary osteosarcoma, osteochondroma and multiple hereditary exostosis, and chondrosarcoma. The questions that will be reviewed appeared on the pathology exam number 5 specialty exam on the OrthoBullets virtual curriculum. We will include a link in the show notes to take the exam if you have not done so already. The questions included in this episode will be reviewed by Dr. Ginger Holt, who is a professor of orthopedic surgery and director of musculoskeletal oncology at Vanderbilt University. Next uh, most common question, uh, which which has a high weight, is intramedullary osteosarcoma, which we'll move to. This is a 17-year-old male who presents with increasing right shoulder pain and swelling, no history of trauma. He's otherwise healthy. We see his uh, clinical uh, picture plain x-ray, bone scan, MRI scan, and histology. And here you see the asymmetry between his left and right shoulders. You see a very large uh, soft tissue mass here. Here is the plain x-ray that shows you the uh, bone forming lesion in a patient who is almost skeletally uh, mature. And outside this we see the soft tissue mass with some bone formation hot on a bone scan as you would expect and the MRI scan correlates with the clinical picture with this massive soft tissue uh, response around the lesion. So metaphyseal lesion in a 17 year old patient who is near skeletal immaturity and this clearly shows uh, a malignant lesion. You have multiple pycnotic cells of different sizes. We usually like to see uh, woven bone uh, for this type of lesion. So a 17 year old male, no history of trauma and we have a malignant appearing lesion. We know for uh, osteosarcoma that they present with pain the lesion is typically metaphyseal, and you can see here the, the red arrows show you the disorganized bone. We have a bone-forming lesion in the metaphyseal uh, area, and the, uh, as these tests are being made, they expect that you're going to be able to see and diagnose osteosarcoma. They're going to take you two steps beyond that to ask you what the treatment is. The histology uh, here, the little um, asterisks, show you the immature woven bone. The arrows then show you the malignant rimming osteoblast. So this is a characteristic picture of osteosarcoma, the pathology, and then the question comes, how do you treat it? So you're not going to observe cancer. We aren't going to treat with chemotherapy and radiation alone or surgery alone. So the, the standard treatment for osteosarcoma is chemotherapy and surgery. We often talk about neoadjuvant chemotherapy and treating a patient prior to surgery with chemotherapy to shrink that soft tissue mass, get it down to size, and then it makes uh, surgery a lot easier and it makes patient survival better. The uh, distractor here, some people chose surgery alone. So surgery alone would only be for a chondrosarcoma. Both osteosarcoma and Ewing sarcoma will be treated with chemotherapy and surgery. What is the most common site of metastatic disease for osteosarcoma? So what is the most common site? So sarcomas metastasize uh, to the lung typically. Things to remember about staging and and metastasis of sarcomas, usually the lesions are high grade. They're extra compartmental, so there's some extension beyond the compartment. Here you you see on this MRI scan the uh, central lesion within the metaphyseal femur, and here we have extension of the tumor outside of the bone. If a patient presents to you and has these lung lesions, they become a stage 3 by the Enneking staging system. But because this lesion uh, is extra compartmental and the chest is uh, clear, it would be a 2B lesion. Remember, the metastatic uh, disease is is 
to the lungs. So the preferred response here is lung. The distractor that some people got thrown off with was is bone. So certainly osteosarcoma can have skip lesions in the bone, but the most common side of metastatic disease is going to be the lungs. That's going to be correct with any sarcoma. It's not lymph nodes, it's not the bone, it's lung. So here is a 17-year-old girl. She presents with knee pain for two months, especially at night. She denies fevers and weight loss. Her physical exam reveals a painful thigh mass, and a radiograph is shown here. So the question is, what is the most appropriate step in her management? So first we have to figure out what her diagnosis is, and then we have to determine what the next best management is. And the x-ray shows you a skeletally immature patient. We often ask the questions about bone tumors. What's the location? What's the tumor doing to the bone? What's the bone doing to the tumor? And then what's the matrix? Is the matrix bone? Is it cartilage, fibrous tissue, fat, uh, an unknown matrix like a giant cell tumor? You just see a lytic lesion. And here you see osteoid or bone being produced in the metaphyseal portion of the bone. We also see the Codman's triangle extending out from the bone here. And then we see bone in the soft tissues being uh, formed. Here's another uh, uh, picture of a patient uh, who has a bone scan, skip lesions in the bone, skip lesions on the uh, MRI scan as seen by the blue arrows. And uh, here we have lesions in the lung. And this is to remind you that for a patient that you see, and hopefully recognize with an osteosarcoma, as you go through the progression of taking care of them, they need a history and physical. We first look locally uh, for the x-ray, CT scan, MRI scan, or biopsy. Then we do our systemic staging, whole body bone scan, and a CT chest, abdomen, pelvis, and a biopsy. Now, the progression of which that occurs is not necessarily important. It's understanding that those things need to occur before you uh, run off and treat a patient. The question is, the patient, a 17-year-old skeletal immature patient with a metaphyseal lesion, hopefully you recognize just by this x-ray that this is an osteosarcoma. And we know that the next best step in treatment is uh, we first have to make a diagnosis before we can determine what's happening. We don't want to repeat the radiographs and observe because we know this is a, uh, a malignant lesion. Radiation, IV antibiotics, and wide excision are all treatment. And you guys, 98% uh, of folks who took the exam did a great job in recognizing that you MRI the entire bone because there can be skip lesions. Getting your whole body bone scan to assess for distant disease and a CT scan of the chest, both of which are uh, uh, for staging. I see a question come up. If you uh, have a choice between chest x-ray or CT chest, uh, practically we end up doing both on the test. You won't be asked to choose between those two. In some way, you'll be asked to evaluate the chest, remembering uh, osteosarcoma metastasizes to the lungs most commonly. So our next question is a 10-year-old boy. He has two months of right knee pain that started at summer camp. The patient denies any constitutional symptoms, so no fevers, no, no chills, no other issues. There's no lymphadenopathy on exam, and a CT scan of the chest shows no signs of metastatic disease, and they're now basically giving us the uh, uh, images and, and histology. So when we look at the uh, figures, as we would likely see in a patient, here's your uh, plain x-ray. We talked about the, a skeletally immature patient. What's the location of the lesion? It's in the metaphyseal portion of the bone. What's the bone doing to the tumor, and what's the tumor doing to the bone? You can see that as the uh, uh, cortex comes down here, we have the lesion extending out of the bone. So the, the lesion is actually more aggressive than the bone. The bone isn't able to contain the lesion. Same thing here as the cortex spreads out. We see the lesion spreading outside the bone. 
and uh, what's the matrix? So location, tumor bone, bone tumor interaction, matrix, and here the matrix again appears to be a bone forming lesion. It's got a mixed uh, lytic uh, sclerotic area. And if we look at the MRI scan, this correlates with our uh, lesion. We have a, a lesion filling the entire intramedullary canal, stopping at the physis. On the axial image, we see a circumferential lesion extending out of the bone, and here the bone is breached. So this uh, shows you this is a very aggressive lesion. Here's our bone scan, and we see that this appears to be confined to the distal uh, femoral metaphysis. So hopefully, if you're looking at your differential for, the, for this, uh, you run through a, a, a metaphyseal lesion that is forming bone in a skeletally immature patient thinking about osteosarcoma. And as you look at the histology, hopefully that's helpful for you in seeing here woven bone, so immature bone, uh, the green arrow is showing you. And then we see these malignant cells. Here's a very dark pycnotic malignant cell that's all balled up. We see a larger uh, cell here. And you can see that um, there's a big, huge, giant cell. Here's a uh, sort of a longer-shaped cell that's beginning to turn into a cigar. And hopefully the histology leads you to the answer. And here are the distractors and, and uh, what the difference in them are. MFH of bone is unusual in a, in a kid, but the histology differentiates. There's a giant cell. Here's a big, gigantic, uh, angry uh, cell. Here's a very small malignant cell next to another small malignant cell. So these cells are all over the place. And this is a characteristic of a non-osteogenic uh, sarcoma of bone. Synovial sarcoma is usually a soft tissue lesion. We don't see that in the bone. And it almost looks like a small blue cell tumor. You can see all the small blue cells in there, characteristic of the uh, lesion. Here's a chondrosarcoma. So here are all of the binucleate cells, very characteristic of cartilage. And here's Ewing sarcoma, so a real uh, bone tumor small round blue cell tumor and you can see the red circle showing you the pseudo rosettes which are characteristic of Ewing sarcoma and this is the most likely distractor here uh, if we look, look at this question because the um, patient is skeletally immature you have a lesion that has a large soft tissue mass extending out of bone and the difference comes down to the histology if you're confused so a synovial sarcoma is a soft tissue lesion it shouldn't be in bone an MFH of bone has a completely different appearance than osteosarcoma of bone. And I'll go back to these pictures. MFH, synovial sarcoma, a chondrosarcoma has a characteristic binucleate appearance. And then your Ewing sarcoma is going to be a small round blue cell tumor. We may or may not see these pseudo rosettes. Usually for Ewing sarcoma, as the um, uh, pseudo rosettes show up, uh, we get uh, an 1122 translocation or CD99. Ewing sarcoma most commonly has constitutional symptoms, fever, weight loss, chills, lymph nodes, and, and these patients are commonly confused with infection, and it's the pathology that makes the difference. So don't ever confuse Ewing sarcoma with infection and treat it like an infection. The biopsy is important, and the biopsy makes the difference. Infection, you're going to see multiple cells, different cells, polymorphonuclear cells, uh, small cells, giant cells. Ewing's is going to be a sheet and sheet of small round blue cells. So uh, this uh, next question, 13-year-old boy is diagnosed with osteosarcoma of his distal femur. So yeah, they're giving you the diagnosis. The treating surgeon samples the bone marrow of the femur during definitive limb salvage surgery and finds microscopic evidence of tumor. So surgeon takes a patient to surgery who has an osteosarcoma. It's a known osteosarcoma. They cut the bone to take the tumor out, and in sampling above, there is microscopic evidence of tumor. So 
let's say the uh, uh, surgeon is uh, tired, finishes surgery, and doesn't address that bone lesion, what kind of resection would that be? So uh, basically what's being uh, described is um, traveling right through the center of the lesion. And the difference in, in uh, excision of lesions, initially Enneking described this in soft tissue lesions. We have extrapolated that to bone lesions. The difference in a radical excision, wide excision, a marginal excision, which includes an intralesional excision. So an intralesional excision, you are somehow in the lesion, in the center of the lesion, trying to remove the lesion. So the most common time this occurs is in a giant cell tumor, when we're actually inside the lesion, burying the lesion, trying to clean the lesion out. The difference in a marginal excision is that you're actually out of the tumor, but still in the pseudocapsule of the tumor. And that's the difference between a marginal excision and an incisional or intralesional excision. A wide excision most people are familiar with, and that's what we would most commonly expect for an osteosarcoma, is that we are outside, far outside the uh, zone of the tumor, but we are still leaving some limb preserved. A radical excision came about because they didn't have MRI scans or pictures, and in order to try to do limb salvage or, or remove the tumor, they removed the entire bone. So for a patient now we know with a distal femur osteosarcoma, a radical excision would be removing the whole femur. A wide excision would be removing about two centimeters outside of the tumor. Uh, a marginal excision would be one cell above the lesion, and an intralesional excision would be through the lesion. So the key thing to remember, number one, for um, the uh, treatment of osteosarcoma, that an intralesional excision is terrible and uh, uh, not acceptable. But what the surgeon did was perform an intralesional excision, not wide, not marginal, not radical. And an interlesional excision doesn't exist, so uh, that's uh, unable to be performed. I think the confusion on this one, this was split between answer one and answer four, and that's the difference. A, a marginal excision would be uh, just through what we consider the pseudocapsule. When you're in the middle of the tumor and you see tumor on either side, it's intralesional. And remember that the common tumor we think of this with is a giant cell tumor where it's safe to perform an intralesional excision, curatage, burring to treat the lesion. The next most uh, tested concept for pathology is osteochondroma and multiple hereditary exostoses. This is also called multiple osteochondromatosis typically. The first question for this set, which was question number one, all of the following statements regarding MHE, multiple hereditary exostoses, are correct except what we want to remind you about this um, is that this is an autosomal dominant transmitted disease. The uh, EXT tumor suppressor genes are mutated. There's EXT1, 2, and 3 and it's the, um, the portion of the uh, physial plate that is affected is the prehypertrophic chondrocytes of the growth plate. And as the growth plates are uh, disturbed and affected by the EXT genes, they turn and, and grow off the side of the bone. The key finding for an osteochondroma is confluence uh, with the intramedullary canal. So uh, you can see from these pictures here, here's the plain x-ray of the lesion. And we look at that on the CT scan, the intramedullary canal is confluent with the central uh, portion of the lesion, so the two are uh, actually one, almost like a, a stalk of cauliflower, a stalk of broccoli, confluence with the intramedullary canal. The um, osteochondromas can occur solitary or multiple with MHE, and the thing to remember is that with a plain old solitary osteochondroma, 
the chances of malignant transformation are really small. But when you have a patient with multiple hereditary exostoses, they have a, a defect in their tumor suppressor gene, and those are the patients who are at, a, are at a significantly high risk of getting cancer. And that can be 5, 10, or greater percent. We'll tell you a couple of times that the most common location of a secondary chondrosarcoma is either, either the pelvis, uh, second to that is the scapula, and these lesions get really big because they can hide. They hide behind the, the scapula, they hide in the pelvis, and these patients come in with massive chondrosarcomas. The uh, transformation is that of a chondrosarcoma. It's the cartilage cap that actually transformed to a malignant lesion. You guys did pretty good on this one. Um, so all of the following statements regarding MHE are correct except so we uh, know that it's inherited in an autosomal dominant fashion it's the um, mutation of the EXT tumor suppressor genes in the prehypertrophic chondrocytes so EXT1, EXT2, EXT3 genes are what's affected so it's the EXT tumor suppressor genes the um, as we said the exostoses are in direct connection with the medullary canal so they're confluent and they're one with the canal they're not stuck on top and they aren't outside in the soft tissues. There's a confluence where the, you can actually imagine it growing into it. And the difference is the exosceles grow towards the physis, and they actually grow away from the physis, and that's what creates your actual exosceles. The preferred response uh, is five, and one through four are true, and they're very good points to remember about uh, these guys. Next question is a 22-year-old female, hereditary osteochondromas. She has difficulty supinating and pronating her forearm. So she doesn't have pain. She has a problem with motion of the forearm. The x-rays are shown here. And the question is, which procedure is going to help her improve forearm rotation? So which of the following procedures would most effectively improve forearm rotation in this patient? So some of the common abnormalities we see, just uh, as seeing in this patient, are growth disturbances for where the physis is affected. And this is a matalung deformity, so the patient has a foreshortened ulna and the radius overgrows. So these patients commonly present with growth abnormalities because the growth plate is affected with MHE, short stature, uh, deformed joints, they have decreased range of motion. The forearm is very common, the knee is common, and the ankle is common for these. We, we see it very, very commonly. The forearms are short. They have little foreshortened uh, T-Rex forearms. And um, uh, the knee is the second most common affected area we see. The matalung deformity is a common thing we see in the forearm, and that can lead to radial head subluxation, dislocation, ulnar deviation, and uh, because they have cartilage abnormalities, uh, premature osteoarthritis can occur. So the difference in, in uh, this question for what people missed, answer four, distal ulnar resection versus excision of the osteochondroma, the question was uh, about improving forearm rotation. So this patient has an osteochondroma here in the interosseous membrane, uh, not allowing the radius to rotate over the forearm. If the question had been related to pain from the forearm bowing, radial head subluxation, dislocation, or a difficulty with ulnar deviation, it would have been the ulnar, distal ulnar resection or DARA procedure. But because this is a motion abnormality, the response is osteochondroma excision. The next question, an 18-year-old male presents, uh, here are the x-rays. And um, a genetic workup reveals a defect in the EXT1 gene. What is his underlying diagnosis, and which mesenchymal tumor is he at most risk of developing? So we've talked about uh, patients with multiple uh, exostoses. They usually occur in the metaphyseal region of the bone. So here are multiple metaphyseal lesions in both distal femurs, both proximal tibias. 
Here's the same patient we saw with this matalung deformity, multiple osteochondromas all along the um, metaphyseal portion of the bone. Patients who have EXT1, EXT2, and EXT3 tumor suppressor gene abnormalities have a higher rate of sarcoma, they have more exostoses. So although the osteochondroma is the most common benign lesion of bone, uh, patients present with one lesion at one time. And the uh, EXT1 have the worst uh, presentation as opposed to EXT2. The uh, malignant transformation occurs in the cartilage portion of the lesion, so they get chondrosarcomas. And again, a single lesion has a very low rate of malignant transformation, one location in one place. Patients with multiple uh, hereditary exostoses have a tumor suppressor abnormality and a much higher risk of uh, uh, cancer. So for this question, majority of you got this correct. This 18-year-old male who has uh, multiple hereditary exostoses is uh, most likely to have uh, chondrosarcoma. So first is getting the diagnosis correct, and it's not enchondromatosis, so you can knock two and four out. And then uh, looking at osteosarcoma, enchondroma, or chondrosarcoma, as we discussed, the mesenchymal tumor most likely to be developed as a chondrosarcoma. And you guys did a great, uh, a great job of these. Defect in which of the following genes results in bony abnormalities is associated with an increased risk of chondrosarcoma and is inherited in an autosomal dominant manner. So I hope uh, after we've gone through about three questions about this that you're easily uh, able to pick out the preferred response here. But just to go through these answers, um, the, the more common three of these answers that you will see and the ones that we see in orthopedics are the SYTSSX fusion, the GNAS protein mutation, and the EXT1, whether it's EXT1, 2, or 3 tumor suppressor gene. Uh, PEX is a rickets, uh, excellent rickets uh, disorder, PMP222 is Charcot-Marie tooth. You uh, are likely to see the SYTSSX fusion uh, uh, gene question for synovial sarcoma. It's very commonly tested uh, when, when there's a question about synovial sarcoma. The uh, GNAS protein is a G-alpha subunit uh, abnormality that is associated with fibrous dysplasia. So as we've kind of beat into you on this series of questions, EXT1 tumor suppressor gene is associated with multiple hereditary exostoses, higher risk of uh, malignant transformation to chondrosarcoma. So uh, the next more common, uh, second most common bone tumor that exists, chondrosarcoma. Osteosarcoma is number one, chondrosarcoma two. Uh, question 17, uh, on your exam, rates of recurrence for patients with chondrosarcoma are most directly related to which of the following? Chondrosarcoma, you have some examples here in the uh, pictures. It is axial and proximal lesions. They have a, a much more aggressive course. Your histologic grade correlates with survival. So a grade 1 lesion, which is shown here in this x-ray, has a 90% survival, grade 2, 60 to 70%. As you can see, as the grade increases, survival decreases. A dedifferentiated chondrosarcoma has the worst survival. And it's the increased uh, telomerase activity in a chondrosarcoma. And you determine this by RT-PCR that has been shown to directly correlate with the recurrence. So for these questions now, the guys who are making out the test have figured out that you guys are pretty good at looking at an x-ray and determining what a chondrosarcoma is. So they're taking the questions to the second and third level to ask you, they're going to ask you treatment. So they expect that you're going to be able to recognize it. They're going to ask you treatment and uh, things like what increases recurrence in these lesions. Remember, chondrosarcomas are treated with surgery alone, not chemotherapy, not uh, radiation. And here's an example of a very low-grade lesion. 
this would be a benign enchondroma. And if you look at the outer architecture of the bone, if you could erase the lesion in the middle part of the bone, this bone, this proximal humerus looks absolutely normal. And that's in contrast to this high-grade chondrosarcoma where you can see the bone has bowed. There's a path fracture here along the bone. You have this huge lesion that's extending out of the bone. There's a soft tissue uh, mass. This is a high-grade uh, chondrosarcoma. Question here, what the rates of recurrence for patients with chondrosarcoma most directly related, related to which of the following? And as I just told you, um, increased telomerase activity. There's nothing on the MRI scan. Um, the histocompatibility complex doesn't relate uh, here. Aptosis on histology isn't helpful. And a whole body bone scan is not helpful in any way in determining metabolic activity of an enchondroma or a chondrosarcoma. They both can light up and be very hot on a bone scan. About almost 75% of folks got this question correct. A 72-year-old male presents with increasing thigh pain. Radiographs and high-power uh, biopsy are shown. Staging studies show no other sites of disease. And if you remember, the staging study we want to do is to evaluate the chest. Uh, if we're suspicious of a sarcoma, most likely metastatic location is, is in the chest. And what is the next best uh, step in treatment? So the 72-year-old patient has this lesion seen in the bone. And you can see that the bone has slowly expanded. This is a, a lesion that's in the metaphyseal, diaphyseal portion of the bone. Slowly expanded outside the bone. So we ask the question, what's the location? What's the tumor doing to the bone? And what's the bone doing to the tumor? And this tumor is slowly expanding the bone. The bone is just able to contain the lesion enough that they are uh, fighting each other very slowly and the bone is moving out of the way. We then ask the question, what's the matrix? What's going on inside of the bone? Are we seeing bone, cartilage, fibrous tissue, fat, uh, fluid, or what else? And when we look in here and see that there are very small arcs and rings uh, where you see uh, calcifications occurring, this should lead you to a thought of chondrosarcoma. And when we look at the pathology here, we don't see woven bone, we don't see uh, uh, immature bone being formed, but we again see these binucleate cells, very, very cellular lesion. The entire slide is filled up with these small pyknotic cells that are, uh, have very tightly wound chromatin. And the question then comes, if you can recognize a chondrosarcoma, you should know the treatment for a low-grade lesion, grade 1 lesions. It's intralesional. So we talked about uh, the difference in intralesional, marginal, or wide. These are able to be treated with intralesional curatage. We curette and burr the lesion and, and treat it. Uh, for a, a high-grade chondrosarcoma, grade 2 or 3, wide surgical excision is a treatment. No chemo, no radiation, uh, wide surgical excision. Uh, it gets a little bit more tricky as we move into uh, mesenchymal and dedifferentiated chondrosarcomas. Those are the highest grade. They have the worst prognosis. We do treat them with uh, surgery and multi-agent chemotherapy. But this middle zone, the, your standard high-grade chondrosarcoma, is the most important thing to remember. Uh, treated with a wide surgical excision. So again, the test, the guys who make out the test are expecting you to recognize this. It's a chondrosarcoma and uh, have you recognize and know that wide surgical excision with some sort of reconstruction which is going to be necessary after you've taken the bone out is going to be important. Uh, neither chemotherapy nor radiation therapy is effective for this uh, lesion. A marginal excision we've talked about is unacceptable so we want a wide excision and palliative care for this patient who has a single lesion. Uh, this patient would have a, a good prognosis, so we, we don't want to go with palliative care. And the majority of uh, people, again, got this correct. The confuser was uh, whether or not the patient be, should be treated with chemo or radiation therapy. The next question, again, for you guys, question 44, 60-year-old female, progressive right hip pain, 
a pelvis radiograph is shown, and we uh, get the, not only x-ray, but the biopsy. So the patient is 60, uh, which is important. And if you look here, the arrows are showing you the lesion around the pelvis. I told you earlier for uh, multiple hereditary exostoses, the, the pelvis and the scapula are very common for the lesions to have malignant transformation. Flat bones are where chondrosarcoma usually occurs. The pelvis is a flat bone. So if you see an older patient with a pelvis lesion, chondrosarcoma should come to mind. Metastatic disease would be the other. And this pathology is extremely helpful. I've shown this to you two or three times in differentiating um, metastatic disease or uh, chondrosarcoma. Here you have these binucleate cells again, these dark pycnotic uh, cells in the center. It's highly cellular. Plain old uh, cartilage has very few cells in it. Here are some pictures, and, and I think the more you can look at pictures with this histology and for pathology, the better. Here's a patient with a proximal humerus lesions, metaphyseal. You can see a huge soft tissue mass outside of this. Location, metaphyseal, tumor bone, bone tumor interaction, bone kicking butt, excuse me, bone losing, tumor kicking butt. And then you can see the matrix here. Now this may be confused with a, a bone matrix because there's a lot of extra uh, bone that appears to be forming. But when you look at the pathology, this is clearly not an osteosarcoma. We have all those binucleate cells, dark uh, central nuclei, a lot of cells. And here's an example of a dedifferentiated chondrosarcoma. Uh, showed you earlier a very common characteristic of chondrosarcoma the bone will slowly expand as the tumor grows and this is a lovely example of how the bone gets almost a, an hourglass or uh, expanded shape to it centrally then we see all these calcified areas and here's your histology that malignant aggressive cartilage abutted up uh, right next to um, a spindle cell uh, lesion and this is the dedifferentiated uh, chondrosarcoma. So it's sort of a low to intermediate grade chondrosarcoma, dedifferentiating into this wildly horrible aggressive lesion. Again, the, the guys who make the test are expecting that you're going to be able to figure out this is a chondrosarcoma and then know the treatment. And the preferred response is three, as we've talked about chondrosarcoma treated with surgery, osteosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, chemotherapy and surgery, chondrosarcoma, surgery, surgical resection. Question 41 on your test, a 38-year-old male complains of progressive right groin pain. So he's 38, a younger patient. Chondrosarcomas typically uh, occur in older patients, but this patient's 38. The pain occurred only with weight-bearing, but now it's bothering him sitting, wakes him from sleep, so it's becoming more aggressive. A radiograph is, uh, shows a mixed lucent sclerotic lesion in the femoral head just below the articular surface. An MRI is shown here, and the histology is shown as well. So here's your uh, proximal femur, and the lesion is in the femoral head. If you um, then look at the histology, you can run through these uh, different options, and, and we'll run through those in a second to make this determination. So we talk about location, tumor bone, bone tumor interaction in the matrix. The location, if, if you guys... Um, We'll recall epiphyseal lesions, we talk about a skeletally immature patient as a chondroblastoma, skeletally mature patient, giant cell tumor, and one of the odd lesions that can occur in the epiphysis of a skeletally mature patient is a clear cell chondrosarcoma. And I know we talk about it all the time, it's, it's odd, but this, uh, this actually is one. So here is the uh, distractor for this, an epiphyseal lesion, and this is a chondroblastoma, this is a giant cell tumor, so chondroblastoma, epiphyseal lesion, skeletally immature patient, giant cell tumor, epiphyseal lesion, skeletally mature patient, and look at the difference between the two. 
Chondroblastoma has that chicken wire calcification cobblestone appearance. Giant cell tumor indeed has this massive, beautiful giant cell. Cells in the stroma have the same appearance as the cells in the nuclei. Clear chondrosarcoma is malignant. It's a very small percentage of chondrosarcomas. It has this insidious onset of pain, and as we discussed, it is an epiphyseal lesion that continues to uh, be destructive and it can metastasize. It is malignant. So, uh, question uh, 41, preferred response is two, clear cell chondrosarcoma. The difference in a lymphoma is it would be a small round blue cell tumor, chondroblastoma and giant cell tumor. I just showed you the, uh, the histology here and the uh, difference in these two guys, chondroblastoma and a giant cell tumor. And an osteosarcoma, we discussed, would have uh, woven bone with malignant rimming um, osteoblasts. That's all for this pathology question review session. Hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets audio review, a daily podcast by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thank you so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.